Good afternoon, my name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me, giving me the activities of my limb, and I also want to thank my loyal listeners who have been joining in, tuning in, and sharing this information. Anna Johnson, I see you guys, see you out there. So again, I want to thank you. I want to first start off by saying that the month of October is National Youth Substance Use Prevention Month. And this is a topic that's also very interesting because there are many individuals, whether it's a teen or a tween or an adult, a grandparent, a caretaker, a a teacher, individuals in ministry, that we are watching, especially after COVID, many of our youth and teenagers and young adults struggle with drug and alcohol use. Now, today's show is designed to provide a lot of information as it relates to this when we talk about just the basic prevention principles, prevention, intervention. I'll be providing education, offering support to families, also making sure that we are aware that this is not only a family matter, but it is a community issue talking about peer pressure, sometimes sports, and how mental health can also play a role when it comes to this. Now, when we talk about addiction, many individuals view that as a taboo word. It's like, I don't have an addiction. I can stop whenever I want to. Now, many of you know that I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, but prior to becoming a therapist, I worked in the field of drug and alcohol use. I provided assessment evaluations for nonviolent drug offenders, PC-1000, and also what's considered a substance abuse professional. So I do the evaluations for individuals that have been either tested positive during a random monitor test or a pre-employment test throughout the Department of Transportation for the DOT, or whether it's the union or the railroad. So I am a South professional. Now, growing up in Compton also gave me some experience because I, for many years, saw individuals use and abuse substances. I just had a conversation the other day where a person was like, marijuana is not a drug, it's a herb. Marijuana is still a drug. Because we're talking about being under the influence of a controlled substance. That's what makes it the issue is because it is a controlled substance. Now, I want to read what I put out there, and I know I'm looking down and looking around, and one thing you're also putting up my little black backdrop, even though it's kind of failed right before I went on the show, but it did get put up. So I want to share some information because I wanted to put this out there because a lot of times individuals, I don't want to say struggle with this, but we were taught. And I want to say my mother had this philosophy that I would rather for my kids to get high at home than to get high in the streets. That don't work. Because if they start off doing it at home, eventually they're going to do it in the streets. And what's going to happen is the individuals will think, oh, well, my parents know I'm doing it. They don't care. They're aware. And that can not only make it more difficult, individuals, but also for the person that is the teen or the tween, because it can be confusing whether it's okay or whether it's not okay. It can definitely make it a problem. Now, I was trying to find what I put on Facebook, and I'm going through all these little gadgets and gadgets and all of that stuff. So give me one second. If you want to call in and you want to pick my brain or you want to join in on this show, Give me a call at 516-387-1914 because I I know a lot of individuals out there are struggling with this because I get phone calls all the time. And I myself am a mother as well as a grandmother and an auntie of individuals, and I have seen this far too often even in my own family when it comes to youth slash abuse. So again, if you are a teen or tween, 
that is having difficulties with drug or alcohol use or abuse or a parent that is concerned about one's behavior, you really don't want to miss this show because many individuals are struggling in violence as it pertains to drug and alcohol use or abuse. And like I said, the month of October is Youth Substance Prevention Month to provide information and education. Let's talk about it because I do want to hear your thoughts. So don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed, because a lot of individuals, either it's their teenager or they have a family member or it's a parent that may not have a history of drug or alcohol use and may be struggling with this and just don't know how to help their teen or tween when it comes to this. So let's talk about use and abuse first. When we talk about use and abuse of drugs, first of all, teens should not be using drugs anyway because the human brain is not fully developed until age 25. Individuals don't realize that they can either be stunning their brain development or it could be other risk factors that could be involved in regards to why the teen is actually using or abusing substances. You know, because there's a lot of risk factors. I like, there's a thing that I like showing individuals, and it's called get the facts. Because if I was to have the facts as it relates to drugs or alcohol use, especially as a teen, there is no way, no way I would have used. Because a lot of times people are not honest with you when it comes to drug and alcohol use. Now, when we talk about Abuse. Some individuals say, I did it. I wanted to fit in, wanted to be part of the crowd, wanted to. But there is a rise when we start talking about abuse and use. I can name some of the common drugs and alcohol when we talk about alcohol, because alcohol is a drug. And today is Halloween. Many individuals have either went to parties over the weekend or will be going to parties tonight. Watch your teenagers. Please be mindful, especially if they're in college. You know, I've seen things that individuals don't realize with alcohol that binge drinking is dangerous. Individuals can die from alcohol poisoning, and they're not even aware of that when we talk about binge drinking because people will say, well, I only do it on the weekends, or I can stop whenever I want to. And those are just some of the lies that individuals tell themselves. Even when we start talking about marijuana use, I've heard parents say, oh, it's just, they're just experimenting. They'll stop when they get older. No, marijuana is an anti-motivational drug. And the thing is you've got individuals, yeah, it can be used for municipal purposes if a person has cancer, if they have an eating disorder. But you've got some individuals just smoke weed just because they want to get high. That is not municipal. And then we have cocaine. we got methamphetamine. And some states like Arizona, Methamphetamine use is huge, it's high, especially with young adults. We got heroin, we got pills, even fentanyl. Individuals are now gaining knowledge of what fentanyl is doing to many of our youth and our young adults. People are overdosing and they're dying. So we want to find ways to try to prevent our teens because this is a health and safety risk when we're talking about drugs and alcohol use. Getting my information together, and I was looking at the age of most individuals when they first start. Some individuals start as young as 12 years old. Some 12-year-olds are still in elementary school. You know, there are other risk factors that are involved. <laughs> Mr. Bobby, why are you calling me when I'm on the radio? You want to call in on the show today? Today's topic is talking about teens, tweens, and alcohol use. Yeah, okay. Should be another right person coming. Okay. Okay, right. bye-bye. Okay. I know a lot of individuals. Thank you for calling Mr. Bobby so you can join in on this conversation because Growing up where we grew up at, this is a very interesting topic. So let me text him a number. 
Again, if you want to call in on the show, give me a call at 516-387-1914. Because the bottom line is prevention is possible, education, having the right resources. And a lot of times individuals are afraid to talk about this topic. Now, I want to talk about, at first, some of the risk factors. Number one risk factor, a family history of substance abuse. Many individuals first start using drugs and alcohol because it was available. Are they saw it in their home? It could be the parent, either or, because DNA is real. It can also be, you know, when we talk about a family history, sometimes it can skip generations. Now, people that know me know that I am the owner of the Center for the Treatment of Addiction. Now, just because it's called the Center for the Treatment of Addiction, that was the name of the company when I bought the company, so I did not name that one. I did name the J.A. Precious Inc. However, within my company, I provide services for individuals that have been court-ordered to do drug and alcohol programs. Now, with that being said, I found that a lot of parents struggle with trying to find help for just their teens and tweens. But if there's a family history, think that the family will be able to provide information and resources. Sometimes the family may be the one that condones the drug or alcohol use, or they could be the one that introduced the kids. Now, let me log on this caller. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments. How are you doing? Um, hanging in there. How are you doing? Fine, Bobby. Doing well. Now, thank you for being a guest on my show today as we're talking about teens, tweens, alcohol, and drug use and abuse. And, I mean, you are a very good person to even call in on this show to help me with this. Right now, I'm talking about some of the risk factors because a lot of times people have a misperception of their kids, their teens using drugs or alcohol, and sometimes the early age use could be 12, as young as 12 years old, when they're introduced. Now, we know in school they had the D.A.R.E. program, just say no, parents giving you mixed messages, you're watching your parents' party, or they smoking cigarettes, and kids start picking up the same behaviors. But family history can play a role in regard to a risk. Another risk factor can be a mental or behavioral health condition such as depression, anxiety, or ADHD, meaning if a child or if a teen or tween is struggling with a mental health issue, sometimes they will self-medicate. They'll have people, I know how to make you feel good, or they're dealing with these symptoms and they try to overcompensate or they will self-medicate with, with using drugs and alcohol. Then another risk factor is impulsive or risk-taking behavior. And I know I was very impulsive. Uh, family history of traumatic events, low self-esteem or feeling bored. I mean, I'm sorry, low self-esteem or feeling of social rejection, meaning they use because they want to fit in or being bored. What is your take on some of the risk factors that can lead to a teen or a tween starting to use drugs or alcohol? Yes, I believe that uh, that in the home is puts you at risk, and then as well as emotional, psychological things, and people self-medicate. Like you say, when you tell you, oh, take this, you'll feel better, you know, and you know, and so you self-medicate, not realizing you're digging the ditch deeper uh, than you're trying to climb out, but you're actually digging in deeper. And so, yeah, I definitely understand that. And uh, that's just real tough ball of wax to uh, unpack, but, um, yeah, it's, it's I believe those risk factors do exist, and they are triggers. And these kids, they need help and uh, emotional, psychological counseling, and uh, they often don't have the adequate resource to get that or just don't know how to make the connections, and then they start listening to friends and people and just, hey, try this, and before you know it. Um, and then also got some of that stuff that's biological, because the parents may have had it in their system when they were born, so they may be predisposed to before they even hit the earth. They already got crack in their system and this and that and the other, and alcohol and all kind of things. So it's a myriad of uh, symptoms that lead to this dysfunction. And uh, like I said, people try to overcompensate, and that's where the drug thing, you know, spirals out of control as a result. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another thing is sports. Sometimes I remember going to Centennial High School, 
We had football players getting high on cocaine. Like, where the hell are they getting this from? You know, or the basketball team, girl basketball team, they all drunk, got a hangover. It's like they're trying to fit in socially. So sometimes sports can play a role, peer pressure, certain communities where people live. I mean, I just thank God I just dodged that bullet growing up in Compton because I know that I was a risk taker. I knew that I was impulsive, but I just never wanted to be under the influence of a controlled substance other than food, and food was a control to me too. Smart. <laughs> but it, to a degree, to a degree. But and I'm I've cool seen, too, I'm not an ass, but <laughs> with smart. I've seen smart, articulate children on drugs. Oh, yeah, it's all in the cracks all the time because, like I said, that peer pressure can be overwhelming. You know, everybody's doing it, and so if you're not doing it, something's wrong with you. <laughs> I didn't care. They can tell me something wrong with me all day long. I don't care. And I was always conscious, very cautious around my environment because I didn't want anybody to slip me no Mickey. I didn't want to be somewhere hey, when I'm to call you back. I got to call you back. I'm going to call back in. I'm going to call back in. I got the Kaiser calling. I'm going to call you back. Okay. Okay. All right, so that's another thing is you got to be careful with the company that you keep. Because that can also play a role. So those are just some of the risk factors, to name a, a few. Now, I'm going to get into the prevention, but I want to focus more on just a sense of awareness to realize, you know, you can't be conscious of when you're trying to pick your kid's friends, be aware of that. Now, I'm looking at an article, and this is from the Mayo Clinic, and it talks about teen drug abuse, help your teen avoid drugs. You want to try to prevent this, but if you can't prevent it, you've got to know how to deal with it appropriately. I've heard teenagers say, my parents haul me away. I've been in so many different rehabs. I've had so many overdoses. And I used to think when I first started in this field, if a person overdosed, they automatically died. That ain't true. But when we start talking about that, it says teen drug abuse can have a major impact on your child's life. Find out how to help your child make healthy choices and avoid using drugs. You want to make it more unappealing, you know, because some individuals look at it as a rite of passage. Now, teens who experiment with drugs put their health and safety at risk. Help prevent teen drug abuse by taking your teen or talking to your teen about the consequences of using drugs and the importance of making healthy choices. Now, why teens use or misuse drugs? There's various factors that can contribute to the use and misuse. First-time use often occurs in social settings with easily accessible substances such as alcohol and cigarettes. Now, continued use might be a result of insecurity or a desire for social acceptance. Teens may feel indestructible and might not consider the consequences to their actions, leading them to take Dangerous risk with drugs, because it can be very dangerous. I shared some of the things in regards to some of the common risks, but the consequences of teen and drug abuse that leads to this is negative consequences include drug dependence. You can develop a tolerance. You can become dependent. You can go through withdrawals. So teens who, who misuse drugs are at an increased risk of serious drug use later in life. Now, I was laughing because earlier, because Mr. Gerald and I went to the casino last night, and I started winning, losing, up and down. I know I'm a risk taker. He told me, you got a $100 chip in your purse. I knew I didn't put no chip in my purse. I said, you will have me looking in this purse like a crackhead. And he started cracking up because... I knew I put 50 cent pieces in my purse. I did not put a $100 chip in my purse. So I'm not going to be digging in my purse looking for a chip that don't even exist. So we start talking about dependents are having problems seriously later on in life. Yeah, that's true. Also, poor judgment. Teenagers' drug use is associated with poor judgment in social and personal interactions, meaning, like I said, the human brain is not fully developed to age 25. So individuals will start making poor judgments. They will start getting themselves caught up in situations to where they can become unreliable, not very dependent, start lying and making excuses. 
Another one is sexual activity. Drug use is associated with high-risk sexual activities and unsafe and unplanned pregnancies. Meaning, when you have your teenager out there using drugs, getting drunk, it's going to lead to nothing but problems. Mental health disorders. Drug use can complicate or increase the risk of mental health disorders, impaired driving, and changes in school performance. Now, the health effects of drugs, and drugs can result in addiction, serious impairment, illness, and death, meaning health risks of commonly used drugs, including cocaine, risk of heart attack, stroke, and seizures, ecstasy, risk of liver failure and heart failure, inhalant, damage or risk of damage to heart, lungs, livers, kidneys, long-term use, marijuana, risk of impairment in memory, learning problems, solving and concentration, risk of psychosis such as schizophrenia, hallucinations, or paranoia, later in life associated with early and frequent use. You got methamphetamines, risk of psychotic behaviors from long-term use or high doses, opiate, risk of respiratory distress or death from overdose, electronic cigarettes, meaning vaping, meaning exposure to harmful substances, similar to exposure from cigarettes, smoking risk of nicotine dependence. So you want to try to do some things to talk to your kids, to try to come up with a plan, to try to help them to understand that it is definitely a problem. Now, we do want to prevent these things, and some of the ways that you can prevent it is talk to your teens. Ask them their views. Hey, Hope, Hope, I want you to call in. Give me a call, Hope, at 516-387-1914 as we talk about teens, tweens, drug and alcohol use and abuse. Because we have to make sure that our kids do not be predisposed, or what we're going to do if they get themselves caught up in a situation like that. So ask your teen their views. I remember when I was a kid, and I would see people smoking weed in my mother's house, i turn on the fan, bloody weed all over the place. People was drinking, and i poured alcohol out, put water in the bottles. You know, I wasn't exposed to heroin, or I knew the smell of PCP, because that, that smell was horrible. And so those were some of the things that I learned, but I also knew I don't want to touch these things. But I wind up buying a rehab. And people said, Jeanette, how do you go teach individuals something that you never use? I didn't mean to use it because I understood addiction. So ask your teen about their views. Avoid lectures. Don't give them no long lectures. Instead, listen to your teen's opinions and questions about drugs. Assure your teen that he or she can be honest with you. Because if someone is offering them drugs, even if it's a family member offering them drugs, you want them to be able to come and talk to you. Now, when my son, with his drinking, my son, I'm learning things now that he's 37 years old that I did not know. But I will never forget when my son was 16 years old at his 16th birthday. I, at his party, I saw my father in the hallway giving my son some beer, and I went off. And I had to let my father know, that is not appropriate. He is 16 years old. But what they did was they helped contribute to his alcoholism. So now when people are calling me at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning like him, uh, nope, I didn't do it with you. And for those parents that have engaged in drug and alcohol use with their kids, I am not here to make you feel guilty. I am not here to beat you up about it. But you have to understand how substance abuse and use can play a role in their life. Some individuals or some parents think it's okay. There were people that was in my neighborhood when I grew up that would allow people to come to their home and get high and drink, and they were teenagers. Now that is against the law, it is considered contributing to the delinquency of a minor, to where now parents are also being arrested and charged with child abuse and child endangerment for allowing their children to even do that in a home because they're finding that this is very detrimental. So, again, you want to talk to your kids, but you also want to try to understand, too, where they're coming from. Discuss reasons not to use, but avoid scare tactics. Scare tactics do not work. 
Sometimes scare tactics can also breed curiosity. Emphasize how drug use can affect the things that are important to your team, such as sports, driving, health, and appearance. Whew, that car commercial, This Is Your Brain, This Is Your Brain on Drugs, to this day still, still scared the hell out of me because I did not want my brain like it was in a frying pan frying. But by that same token, there are a lot of individuals that experimented with some drugs, and their life has just never been the same. Also, consider media messages. Social media, television programs, movies, and songs can glamorize or trivialize drug use. But talk about what your team sees and hears. Engage in a conversation with them in regard to that. And discuss ways to resist peer pressure. And be ready to discuss your own drug use. Sometimes parents like to hide their drug use, but you don't want to glamorize it. You can share some things. Be mindful that you're dropping some knowledge onto someone that may not be able to handle it, and it may get thrown back up in your face. So don't punish yourself for what you've done, but acknowledge it and be more aware. Now, there are some other preventive strategies that individuals can do is consider other strategies to prevent drug abuse because you want to try to prevent it. But you want to know your team's activities. You don't have to be all up in their business, but pay attention to your team's whereabouts and find out what adult supervised activity your team is interested in and encourage him or her to get involved. Kickback parties. Parents, be aware of kickback parties. Establish rules and consequences. Explain your family rules, such as leaving a party when a drug use occurs, not riding in a car with a driver who's been using drugs, and if your team breaks the rules, consistently enforce consequences. A lot of times parents will say that there are consequences, but they don't have no consequences. They don't even know what, compl- what consequences to even enforce. So you've got to know, okay, if this is what you want to do, this is how we're going to handle this. But don't – there's a thin line – between discipline and even when we're talking about punishment. You want to try to teach your child to prevent these things. Also, know your team's friends. If your team friends use drugs, your team might feel the pressure to experiment this. He tracks a prescription drug. A lot of kids, teens, tweens start off using by taking their parents, family members, or older siblings' medication or their stuff. So you want to keep track of your prescription drugs, provide support, meaning offer praise and encouragement when your team succeeds, and a strong bond between you and your team might help prevent your team from using drugs and set good examples. So like I said, those are just a few, but again, understanding how substance abuse works, avoid temptations and peer pressure, for mental illnesses, examine the risk factors, and keep a well-balanced life. Sometimes if you keep a well-balanced life, you ain't got time for all of that. Now, I want to also go into recognizing some of the warning signs, because a lot of times I get calls from parents, and the parent is not even aware that their child may be using. One, sudden or extreme changes in friends, eating habits, sleeping patterns, physical appearances, coordination, or school performances. The kid was a straight-A student. Man, your kid's selling. Your kid is ditching. Your kid is hanging out with people. You got weird people calling your home. I don't say weird, but you have a different set of individuals contacting your child than the regular friends that they used to have. Your child is up 1, 2, 3, or 4 o'clock in the morning not getting no sleep. Something is definitely going on. You're starting to notice these acne, skin changes, dry. You're noticing certain things that is happening with their physical appearance and their coordination. Another one, irresponsible behavior, judgment, and general lack of interest. Lack of interest in some of the things that they used to do, that they used to like. They don't want to do it anymore. Or they're constantly getting in trouble, stealing, lying, utilizing poor judgment, breaking rules, and withdrawing from family because they don't want their family to find out, so they will withdraw from individuals 
in the presence of medicine containers, despite the lack of illnesses, or a drug paraphernalia in your teen's room. Look for straws. Look for matchboxes. Look for pipes. Look for vapors, tapes, any type of paraphernalia that you may see. Now, when we talked about um, seeking help for your teen drug abuse, talk to them. Encourage honesty. Focus on the behavior, not the person. Check in regularly and get professional help. It is never too soon to start talking to your team about drug abuse. The conversation you have can help your team make healthy choices in the future. You know, I am a grandma, and I'm not one that's big on alcohol, smoking, all this other stuff. But, you know, even if the, my grandkids see it, they'll know, is that grown people stuff? Is that this? Is that? Because you want to let them know what's going on, but you also want to not condone the behavior. Now, I want to give you guys some of the commonly abused drugs. Number one, and they list what are the ten types of drug abuse. Marijuana, weed. Marijuana abuse, though legal in some states, to use, but it's not legal to use for teens and tweens if they're under the age of 18. Have, they have basically, they said, though legal to use or have, possession of. Marijuana is a commonly abused drug, and many people are unaware of its harmful effects. The cough. The breathing, really? And it's fun to be high? You want to buzz? But there are some harmful effects. People say marijuana ain't never killed nobody. (laughs) I'll go back to the drawing board on that one in regards to some of the effects that happen. Alcohol abuse. People are dying in college from alcohol poisoning, binge drinking, which we talked a little bit about. Cocaine abuse. Valium abuse, heroin, Percocet, and prescription drugs. Those are just some of the commonly abused. Again, with teens, alcohol, marijuana, tobacco are most commonly used by adolescents. So when we start seeing these things, what are some of the ways or, you know, like I said, if you are a parent out there, I want to give you a number. And it talks about the first step towards recovery. It says teenage drug abuse and addiction. You've got to know the difference between drug abuse and addiction. Many teens experiment with drugs but may not be addicted, but some drugs you don't even want them experimenting with. You don't want them to say, hey, well, let me take a risk and let me try this fentanyl. Hey, let me try this PCP. No. So if you do have a teen, a tween that you are concerned about, one of the numbers to call is 855-686-2965 because teen drug abuse can have long-term cognitive and behavioral effects since the teenage brain is still developing. So you want to try to help them as soon as you possibly can because it can get them in trouble. Some of the reasons why they use, curiosity. I was curious. Peer pressure, stress, a desire to escape. Now, the majority of adults with an addiction first experience drugs before they turn 21. And like I said, one of the ages 12 women. Hey, I saw it, but I'm on the radio. Can you hear me? I'm on the radio. You want to call in on this topic? No, but I was just saying... Uh, I got it. I got it. But no, this is an interesting topic. But I do okay. want to hear your input because I just picked up the phone. The topic is teens, tweens, drugs, and alcohol use. Teens? Yep, teenagers. Being a teenager, teens, tweens, drugs, and alcohol use. The month of October... A tween is between 18 and 21, to where you young, you still you're not a teenager, but you're kind of considered a young adult, but you're considered a tween. Well, I thought you were saying a tween is between 18 and 30. So. Now, well, they call them tweens, but they're young adults. 
Well, we got in many individuals. Now, the month of October is actually National Youth Substance Use Prevention Month. Now, well, I... You know what? What's crazy is I just had a cousin commit suicide. Mm-hmm. And he was only 27. That's why I say twins are mm-hmm. twins 18 and 30. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that... Uh, you, you got me on air? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> because of the fact that uh, today's youngsters are so coddled that... They never leave the nest, and they never get a chance to offer or have the opportunity to grow up on their own. Mm-hmm. They're not self-thinkers. They have no social skills. And because they have no social skills, when they get to a certain point in life, they feel like nobody cares and nobody loves them, nobody listens to them. Mm-hmm. So they turn to substance. Mm-hmm. You know? And, uh, and you know, I mean, it's just like this. Too many parents have raised their kids off Domino's Pizza and McDonald's. <laughs> mm-hmm. Instead of just coming home every day and cooking dinner mm-hmm. and having a structured household. And these kids are not raised up in structured households anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they're dealing with parents that forget they actually do have time for their kids but claim that they don't have time for them because they want to do all kinds of stuff on their own because most of the parents today are young parents. We had, I had older parents. So, so we had to come home and sit at the table and eat and do homework Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And now, these kids nowadays, they, they, they just come home. Correct. Do you know? And they sit in their room, mm-hmm. and the only social interaction is on the internet and playing PlayStation, and Xbox. Correct. And you know, a lot of parents were concerned about COVID, how a lot of kids lost more social skills, and how they started turning more to drug and alcohol use because of COVID. Now, that's not an excuse; it's an explanation. But by that same token, you know, we grew up in Compton. And we, in the 80s, we were like, you know, early 80s, we in high school, 70s, we're in middle school. And we grew up exposed to a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. And we, I can only speak for myself as a female, I never wanted to be a teenage female on drugs. Because to me, that was a bad look. Because I didn't want to get molested, sexually assaulted. I, didn't, I always wanted to be in control of what was going on around me. But it was still in our community. It was in our community. And even in our community, they didn't discriminate in regards to who they started giving drugs and alcohol to. And some individuals started with older siblings, family members. You know, I, I was talking about how people had this, I would rather for my kids to get high at home than to get high in the street. But if you know that they're getting high, you're not going to be able to tame that beast later on when it get out of control. I got family members that have well, been using drugs since they were kids. I didn't have no mother that said that. My mother was like, that is not me in the mouth when she seen me with a joint in my mouth when I was 21. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So I didn't have that luxury of being able to get high at home so you don't do it in the street. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> well, I did, but I didn't do it. I wouldn't go do it, but you know. Between my mama and the lady next door, they had all kinds of stuff. You know, my mother kind of covered up for kids because my mother liked to drink. So I'm not going to say she would just say, hey, or she'll say, hey, go buy me a beer or whatever the case may be. But a lot of times people condone that behavior, and I didn't like what I saw in our neighborhood where you saw family members getting high and drinking, and I didn't like that. I really didn't like it. You know, my own was so structured with a single parent that uh, my older brother used to smoke weed all the time when I was in junior high school, elementary school and all that. And, you know, he knew I was smoking weed in junior high, but he would never smoke weed with me until my graduation day from high school. Mm-hmm. He said, you know what, you've been 18th of February, but you ain't a man until you graduate high school now, I smoke a joint with you. 
And I respect that about him, you know? Mm-hmm. Because he'll have me out there, uh, 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 you know, I, I mean, just looking stupid. That's all. Well, see, that's, you know? I think, what parents were trying to prevent, but I still think it kind of opened up that floodgate. But then there were some parents that didn't know about drugs or alcohol, and some parents didn't even know if their kids was using, and they were just lost. Like, what the heck? Even though it can be hereditary, you know, it can be in the family. Because, like I said, I remember when my father, I, I saw him give my sons up two cans of beer for his 16th birthday, and I was about ready to, to have a physical fight with my father. How dare you give him something to drink at 16? And then now he's 37 years old, a full-blown alcoholic, getting on my nerves because y'all dead and gone. But then yet y'all condone this behavior like it was cool. That ain't cool to me. It's so not cool to me. Here's the flip side of that. In my life, my father was a hustler, a gambler, street dude. And him and my mom were not in the house with me since the time I was one years old. Mm Mm-hmm. And my, and my father's brother gave me a joint when I was 14. Mm-hmm. And my father wanted to whoop his ass. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like, and my father used to have a thing that said, do as I say, not, not as, as I, I do. Not as I do, yeah. Remember those things? Mm-hmm. Those cliches? Yes, really I do. Something. Yes, I do. You know? And uh, my cousin recently, you know, his son had a five-year-old kid. 27 years old, not really having no financial problems, mm-hmm. having girl problems. Mm-hmm. Shoots herself in the head. Mm-hmm. You know, out in Arizona. And uh, it's sad that he, 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 you know, and I'm wondering, I'm wondering where is his support system? Well, his father was Marine, pipe fitter now. Mm-hmm. Got his son a job as a pipe fitter, making over forty dollars an hour at twenty seven, which is a good life for a forty for a twenty seven year old kid. Mm-hmm. A kid. And well, he suits himself because the girl don't like him no more. Well, you know what? And that's the thing too, coffee. People don't realize his that. Father said, his father said that he started using a crystal meth mm-hmm. and taking pills. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand. They're lacing these pills with this fentanyl. Mm-hmm. And it's killing us. Mm-hmm. It's killing kids. I'm not just saying us as black people, us as a human race. Because mm-hmm. more white people are holding off of it than anything. Now they said the epidemic. But here's the, here's the ironic part. When it was just crack cocaine out here, they, didn't they built more prisons. Mm-hmm. They built more prisons. Now... And it's an opioid problem. They want to build more hospitals. But they want to shut down the hospitals in the inner cities. Mm-hmm. You know, how is that? Well, because they pick it, because because we all know they pick and choose who they want to help. Like I said, I worked in the field of drug and alcohol um, education, prevention, abuse. Yeah. I used to do assessments and evaluations for nonviolent drug offenders for Prop 36. When Prop 36 was voted into law, it was to help nonviolent drug offenders, but they were not aware of the population of clientele that they could be coming our way. We had individuals that had been arrested for assault, murder, and I remember calling my supervisor one day saying, um, i got a question. If this is for nonviolent and this person just did 20 years for murder, how is that a nonviolent person? I don't understand so when we had individuals, but when we had individuals that were homeless, that were pregnant, that had mental health issues or core current disorders, it was not just your soccer mom that, that got a hold of your kid's Adderall, and now you want to try to help her because you don't want her to have a record, so you want a diversion in lieu of incarceration. They weren't ready for that, and it consumed a lot of the funds. And what happened? that I saw was when individuals was getting free treatment, they didn't appreciate it and their system was abused than if they want to get it themselves. One of the things, even when I do my group, I don't try to see consequences down nobody's throat. I try to get them to think and see things in a different manner 
where you want the help. If you want my help, I'll help you. If you don't want my help, ain't nothing I can do. They say you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I will make you thirsty. It's all I can do is lead by example. But we have to do better. And like you said, when it was crack, destroyed homes and families, people didn't care. They put prisons. They do yeah. Giving you time for marijuana and all this stuff. Do you know, I remember I had a cousin tell me one time, he was in Vegas, and they was about to give him life for marijuana. He said, oh, no, I didn't have no marijuana. I had cocaine. You get more time for marijuana in Vegas than you do for for cocaine. That makes no sense. No more than you smoke that shit right from the police. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but this is the thing, though, too. Now that they got it legalized, it's still not legal for for teenagers. It's not. No. And so what's happening is it's still being abused. You know, when I'm in Vegas on Fremont Street and I'm seeing these youngsters smoking weed right in front of the police, I go, all these dudes ain't 21. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, no, wait a minute. I have a... The police ain't asking for ID. Just now, so it is. They don't even care anymore. They just don't care. They're just giving up. They don't care. I have a rehab. Before I have a rehab coffee. I have a rehab in Orange County, the Center for the Treatment of Addiction, in Garden Grove. Mm-hmm. There were several Saturday mornings that I would go to my office and find people getting high by my door. And I'll say, oh, you want to come in? Do you not realize you're in front of a rehab? They didn't even know. They look like they'd be ready to run. <laughs> How you gonna go to a rehab and sit by my door and get high? Really? You might as well come on in. Let me see if I can help you. Let me talk to you for a minute. You know, and it, it's it's like sometimes individuals may want the help but don't know how to get the help. It's like a cry for help. So I want to share some information, and this is coming from the CDC, which is the Center of Disease control and prevention, and they talk about teen substance use and risk. Parents play a critical role in their children's lives. And as their children grow to preteens and teens, parents worry about new risks that they may experience, and one such risk is the use of substance such as alcohol, marijuana, tobacco, and other drugs. And parents can help by talking to their teen's pediatrician about screening for substance use. You know, and it's funny, Carl, because I keep drug tests around me. I'll whip all the tests in a heartbeat. One time I told my niece, I said, you been drinking? No, auntie, I haven't had nothing to drink. I said, put this in your mouth. When I checked her blood alcohol level, she was like, uh-uh, bitch, I won't try that no more. You know. <laughs> you know what? My mother only had, the only alcohol my mother had in the house when I was growing up was cooking wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know.
I would be kind of hypocritical on that situation because of the fact that um, if my son was 18 or older and he decided to sell some weed today, well, then he can't go to jail for it. Mm-hmm. If he decided to smoke some weed today, I go, it ain't going to really hurt him. But it's when he starts doing that other stuff, those mm-hmm. pills, that fentanyl, that anything that's an opioid. Mm-hmm. Now, that bothers me. And also alcohol, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I just have a different opinion about marijuana because it comes from the earth. And if it's not chemicalized, it's usually safe. But how do you know if it's not chemicalized? Because some individuals don't know. You and I had this conversation before about people that used to lace their marijuana with stuff. And Let me tell you how I know when it's chemicalized or not. It depends on the source you get it from. Okay. And if you go to a licensed dispensary and you're of age, you have a right to buy your weed for medicinal purposes or even recreational use. But... Don't buy the dope or the weed on the street, not even the pills. And guess what a lot of our older people are doing? The heck with the youngsters. There's a lot of older people out there hanging out at the liquor store selling their medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, to the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? They are. They are. And that's, that's, a, that's a problem. Yes, it is. You know, you can't just go get Tylenol 3s mm-hmm. on, you know, at, at, at CVS unless well, you got a prescription for it. And I want to say this, too. Sharing medication is also illegal. I remember as a kid, my mother would send us on my house, go to my house and go get me some Valium. I didn't know that it was illegal to share prescriptions. And Valium's. Is an opiate, mm-hmm. and it's a highly addictive opiate. Mm-hmm. And I was in rehab with people that was just switched on back wheels. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, how do you just come on pills? Mm-hmm. Easy, easy. Ain't no pill ever did that for me. Well, even when I was prescribed them. Some <laughs> individuals, it depends on people's um, makeup and brain chemistry and all that too, because. Some individuals start getting addicted to pills because of an accident, meaning a car accident or an mm-hmm. incident or right pain. Right Michael Jackson, Prince, old man, you be in so much pain, you want anything. Cal gonna take this pain away. Now, I want to well, talk Prince got to get his prescribed by the doctor and start buying them off, off the bootleg. Uh, yeah, that's, basically, that's what happens. So I want to share some information, and it talks about some other factors that may place teens at risk for developing substance abuse problems include insufficient and parental supervision and monitoring, which is one of the things you talked about, lack of communication and interactions between parents and kids, Uh poorly defined and poorly communicated rules and expectations against substance use, inconsistent and excessively severe discipline, family conflicts plays a role, Favorable parental attitude towards adolescents' alcohol and drug use and parental alcohol and drug use. That plays a big role. And I said it. Bullying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Bullying. Mm-hmm. You know, if you notice, it's a lot of the weaker, physically weaker kids on drugs than, than the uh, more physically stronger kids mm-hmm. because of the fact that they feel ashamed over the bully.
I want to share this information. If a parent believes a child may be drinking or using drugs, here are some of the things to watch for. Physical evidence of drugs and alcohol paraphernalia. Behavior problems, like I said, poor grades in school. Emotional distancing, isolation, depression, or changes in friendships and extreme influences of peers. Hostility, irritability, or a change in level of cooperation around the house. Lying or increased invasiveness about school or weekend whereabouts. Decreased interest in personal appearance. Physical changes such as bloodshot eyes, runny nose, frequent sore throat, rapid weight loss. Changes in mood, eating, sleeping patterns, dizzy, and memory problems. These are some of the things well, that we need to look out for. Well, let me tell you what, let me tell you what parents need to look out for. Mm-hmm. Getting caught up in the rat race. It is not, it's not hard, too, because parents get caught up into having to provide, mm-hmm. having to go out and work harder, having less time to spend with their children. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes the norm. Mm-hmm. And when that becomes the norm, they lost their sense of parent. Mm-hmm. And now the kids just exist in their homes. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot about parenting more so than the kids at times. Because yeah. kids don't, you know, when you're when you're when you're when your brain is not developed, you don't make the wisest decisions. Correct. Correct. You know, so. Therefore, you find yourself making some really screwed up decisions. Mm-hmm. But here's this. It's not a negative thing all the time. It's a learning process. It can be, if as long as it don't cost you your life. But you know what? Yeah, as long as it don't cost you your life, it's a learning process. For, for I would say for most, it's a learning process. For some, it's a tragedy. Correct. Well, because sometimes I've seen situations where parents, because they use, they minimize the... They minimize it because they don't understand that their child may also have a mental health issue, too. And like you said, then when they commit suicide or they're getting arrested because they got large quantities of drugs or they got drug activities going on in your home and people are looking for them, shot up, and, you, you know, it's a mess. But I want to share some treatment modalities. I want to first start with you have Al-Anon, Alateen, which is more the AANA. You also have just the, uh, what's the AANA meeting? Al-Anon only teaches the family how to deal with Correct. it. Correct. It does. It does. But then you have your AA, your NA, meaning you got um, Celebrate Recovery, which is one. They talk about hurt habits and hang-ups. And you have the traditional AA or NA meetings because you got Al, you got um, ACAMA. You got all kind of different self-help meetings. Let me tell you this much. I've been through a lot of meetings mm-hmm. and a lot of different uh, AIDS. What I found out was, AA, when you go to those meetings and it's the same people there all the time, they're there because it's a selfish program. Okay. They're on the recovery. Yeah, they are. And then what you find them doing is saying the same thing yeah. every time they speak yeah. at it. Correct. Yeah. And you, after a while, you sit there and go, is this routine or is this full of BS? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let me, you let know, me, let me take a copy. Let me tell you this much about AA. When a white man and a white woman <laughs> live on my wildest dreams and they make making minimum wage, are you really? Mm-hmm. Are you really? When I went to CA, mm-hmm. they got some real butt-necking, butt-necking testimonies from people. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at them and I'm going, you could never have been there because you're looking too good right now. Mm-hmm. You know? You're doing too well right now. Well, because some people are functioning at it. You know? It's okay. That's cocaine anonymous. CA, NA, and AA is the cocaine anonymous people. You know, they probably was first addicted to the shine and ended up being mm-hmm. caught up and went back to the shine. Mm-hmm. You know? And said, I don't need that no more in my mm-hmm. life because now I got opportunities. Correct. Well, you know what, Coffee? I'm about to run out of time on the show. Let me say this in regards to understanding the AA, the NA, the CA, the MA. But we also have yeah. outpatient. <laughs> we have outpatient. NA, NA is watered down. Could be. AA, is, AA is full of crap. And 
VA is butt naked, honest people talking about the things that they went through and the stuff that they went through. But then again, cocaine addicts are becoming a dinosaur. Correct. So you're not going to get that butt naked. Correct. But let me let me say this too, Coffee, because it depends on people's drug of choice. Some individuals yeah. might not be able to relate to cocaine or not because they may not do cocaine. And that's why I always tell individuals, find a meeting that works for you because it's about support. But then you have exactly. you have intensive outpatient, you have wow. residential, you have detox. Detox can be a social model detox. You know what? If you're gonna do outpatient you may as well just get you a sponsor that's real mm-hmm. and a program, mm-hmm. a daily program, where you're doing two, three meetings a day. Mm-hmm. You know, that's better than outpatient. Mm-hmm. Well, it also depends on two coffee. you got to find a program that's designed to work for you because yeah. everybody yeah. needs yeah. a I mean, I'm just talking about, I'm talking about for me personally. Mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to go in-house mm-hmm. for six months. Mm-hmm. And I went in house with 13 months of sobriety in, uh, under my belt, mm-hmm. but I was fresh out of jail though. Mm-hmm. So hitting the streets after 13 months is different than just going through 13 months of regular mm-hmm. sobriety. I was yeah. forced into it. Got gotcha. you. Let me let me say this, coffee, because I know we I know the showtime already stopped. But the thing is, when we talk about jail, some people still get high in jail. It may cost you a little bit more, I but they do get high in jail. You yeah, have to be able to address that. Some parents don't know what to do. So if you don't know what to do, don't be afraid. Don't feel like you're alone because help is out there. They have SAMHSA. You can utilize your, your regular health insurance. You can also utilize EAP, which is an employee assistance program. Try to get some help. You have sober coaches that can help, like you said, a good sponsor, but some individuals have sober buddies. There's more resources available now than what we need. I know you're you ready to run, so I'm going to cut you short, and I don't mean to cut you off, but what I had was two things working for No, three things. I had, my, first of all, me on the right track mentally. That's where you first have to and I had a mother that said, I'm going to love you until you can love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to turn my back on you. What a lot of kids don't get is that love from that parent. They get abandoned by them because they disappointed them. And then, not only that, I had a sponsor. Those were the three things I had. Myself, my mom, and my sponsor. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you know what? People got to add themselves into the, into the equation. Correct. But you know what, Coffee? I'm going to say this. You had a very strong mother, and you was a baby. You had a very strong mother, and you was a baby. Some parents are so burnt out to where it ain't that they turn their back on their child, but some kids use a form of manipulation to make their parents feel guilty. So sometimes you can love them, and you can utilize tough love, and it ain't abandonment. So you got to figure out and get a team, even if you need to do an intervention. That's another form of trying to get some help. And what an intervention is, the person can help your family, assess your family's needs to figure out what is the best approach to help your family to get through this. But you don't have to the do it in silence. is the first part of the first step. My life is not manageable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so once my mother realized who uh, Anon, what do you call it? Alcoholic, <laughs> I mean, Alanon, yeah. But you know Al-Anon. what, too, but like I said, Coffee. Well, she realized that my life wasn't manageable. She took over all of my financial uh, affairs. She did, but that was your mother. And, and, Everybody and, and, don't and have a mother like you. Right. But this is the thing, though, so Coffee. you got to have a mother to right. do that. Correct. Right. Because a lot of parents don't know what to do. Now, I'm going to end the show. I'm going to talk about guilt tomorrow because a lot of people deal with guilt. So I'm going to transition over to guilt tomorrow. Will, I want to thank you for calling or for watching on Facebook Live. You should have called in because, like I said, we got a lot of college students out there that are using drugs and alcohol. Kids are overdosing on alcohol with um, 
See what I mean? I got one thing to say to them. Get off them pills because they lacing them with fentanyl and they trying to kill you. Mm-hmm. White, black, Hispanic, Asian, it doesn't discriminate. No, no. Addiction don't discriminate. So I want to thank but you. And fentanyl does not discriminate. And guess what? If you're taking it, it's going to cause you some problems. It's not kill you mm-hmm. while you're young. It'll kill you later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. Well, hope it's available. And even in college, it's to be teaching you critical thinking to prepare you for a future. Your future should not be with drugs or alcohol. So, again, I want to thank you for joining the show. i got to get ready for my next session. Hope you have a good handle what you just asked me. And I'll talk with you later. Uh, Thank you for joining the show. I appreciate it. Was I any help to your your program, your podcast? Yes, you are. And we'll we'll talk about that later because I got to sign off. And you always use me for this. (laughs) Will you be calling when I'm busy? (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you call me. You call me either when I'm on the show or in a session. I got some experience with this. Okay. I'm going to even send you the. I'm going to send you the link so you can even. being able to, uh, to be that way. No problem. I'm going to send you the link so you can you know, listen to it. I don't mind helping nobody. Mm-hmm. Well, you know All what, right. Kelsey? That's why I take the time out of my day to do what I do because it's so not about me. And this show is heard in several different countries and several different languages. So you it's, never it's, know. It's not, it's not about. Look, it's only about you when you're trying to get you together. Mm-hmm. And then you become of service, mm-hmm. which is the 12th step. So you got to get from 1 to 12 mm-hmm. and be of service to mm-hmm. others. And sometimes service is just, you might be talking to Angela over here, but Jake is the one listening. Mm-hmm. They need to help. Mm-hmm. And you might have helped Jake without even knowing it. There you go. That part right there. You know? That part right there. You know? All right. So until tomorrow, remember you got this. If you have any topics you want me to discuss, you can call me. My office number is 714-992-1677. Or you can email me at J-A-B-N-E-Y-L-M-F-T at gmail.com or preciouspredicaments at gmail.com. I appreciate your input, and thank you very much. Okay, talk to you later. Bye-bye. Can you still on the phone with me? Yeah, but i got to hang up. So i got to... Okay.